Hi there, this is Amanda, and you're listening to Planet Vining. Planet Vining is a thought leadership-driven podcast that focuses on modern business in a digital age. You'll hear from me, brand president of Corporate Traveler USA, around approaches to sales and RevOp, but you'll also be hearing from senior business leaders throughout the world. These are senior leaders within Flight Center, but also within our customer set. Many of us have customers that are changing the world and their incredible work, and it is my honor to share many of those lessons and conversations with each of you. You'll soon learn that my interview style is raw and unfiltered. The intention is to really see behind the curtain so that each of us can walk away with a greater understanding of who is being interviewed, but also in what we can take and pull away so that we can apply it directly to ourselves as individuals or into our respective businesses. In a world of uncertainty while we battle pandemic, the intention is to bring us closer together to build a sense of community, and to make sure that we are leveraging one another so that we all can not only thrive through this, but be better for it on the other side. I can't wait to do this with you all, and I thank you for tuning in. Today's guest speaker is the one and only global corporate chief executive officer for Flight Center, Chris Galanti. Chris is the boss of the bosses and the person that is inevitably responsible for the foundations of the corporate pillar, as well as the strategic leadership and vision that will allow us to thrive into our future. He's an individual, though, while at this high seat in the organization, make sure that all people that he interacts with are empowered. He allows your opinions to not only be heard, but be respected. He's someone who is willing to take the time out of his very chaotic schedule and do a raw, unfiltered interview like this one to teach us lessons and allow us into the inner workings of his brilliant mind. I look forward to what many of you will take from this, and I really thank Chris for doing this as this only further exemplifies his character. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. I know how incredibly busy you are as our CEO, so I sincerely appreciate you doing this, not only for me, but for all of our people so they can take a listen. Well, it's an absolute pleasure, Amanda. Thank you for the invitation. I guess just kind of getting started here. So obviously, for those of our people who know you, um, obviously, everyone knows you're our corporate CEO, obviously, been on task force for many, many years, huge, huge uh, leader in our business, one that many look up to, 15 years of running EMEA prior to this appointment, this podcast being part of that whole now trajectory of your career where does it rank you know easy top three moment for you or top three well that's difficult I can't think of the other two um what, <laughs> what yes I mean this is such a high profile event for me Amanda it's a real yeah. privilege Okay, great. Yeah, number one, I assumed. Um, no, in all seriousness, no, though, you have this huge career um, behind you, right, where you've done so many incredible things for Flight Center. And I know so many people look up to you as a leader and may not have had an opportunity to really get to know you or your story. Would you mind just kind of starting off for everyone in the audience listening, talking a little bit about your journey through Flight Center um, into your most recent appointment? Sure, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, look, it's, I think it's very similar to many people at flights and so I joined um, in May 1997 Um, uh, I was I'd been traveling um, with my girlfriend who's now my wife and we traveled I actually traveled a year before university so I took a year out before university and traveled throughout Latin America then went to university for three years spent a year after uni traveling again um, for half a year with Jackie and then I got back and I had no idea what I wanted to do I was in London 
and I saw an ad advertisement in a newspaper because back then jobs were advertising newspapers, not online. And it basically said, uh, you know, picture of a cheesy captain saying, do you, can you sell travel? And I figured I could possibly do that. So I applied, got the job, worked in leisure. Um, you know, I think I resigned twice in my first year, but managed to stick around. And then, um, yeah, fell in love with the company. So I worked my way through, became a manager of a shop and then an area manager, the first GM of retail in the UK, eventually became the managing director of our retail business. I then integrated it with the corporate business. Um, and after then, a few years later, took on South Africa and then Europe and then EMEA. Um, and then January this year, after 23 years, I was made the corporate CEO. So very similar. I've done many jobs in the group um, and have loved every minute of it. Wow. Okay. So 23 years you've been with the company. I know. You, you wouldn't believe it looking at me, but yes, I'm that old. <laughs> you must have been 18 when you started. Oh, younger. Younger, 12, excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Well, fantastic career you've had. I mean, I guess just thinking about leadership then for a second, right? So a lot of people that are in our business do have that same story, which I think resonates with many of us that love Flight Center so much. You can absolutely start as a leisure consultant or a you know brand new BDM or whatever various pathway you take and end up having this um, position in the company of being a CEO, right? Or having that seat at the table. Was that something that you always aspired toward like did you know you always wanted to be in senior leadership was that part of the plan for you or did it just kind of happen for you uh yeah it's a good question i suspect a little of both and what i mean by that is what i loved at flight center and the reason i stuck around certainly in the early years was i loved this idea that i could run my own business you know within a big company so within the opportunities that come from working in a big company like flight center but you know as a consultant with my own portfolio of customers and then as a manager with with literally my own business with, with its own pnl um i i really love that idea and so i was always really attracted to running the business and all that happened over time was the business scaled so you know there's still i still think today i run a small team today i have a small group of direct reports who report into me which is what i have had, um, you know, back in 1999, when I became a manager for the first time, not much has changed. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I had this grand ambition to become a CEO. But I love the idea of running the business as the business grew. I love the idea of growing the business. It's, it's what I enjoy doing. Um, which I think is the same for many of our leaders. So yeah, and, and it's been such an exciting journey. And it's been a privilege to have been part of that journey. And I think for young leaders, or even people who just join us who aren't leaders yet, I think that um, you know, particularly in challenging times like today when we're recording this interview, um, it is thinking about the future and thinking about the, you know, the skills you learn. Um, and running a business is full of ups and downs and it's, it's full of times when you know, it's just so difficult, but it's also full of times when it's just so exciting. And, and I think it's that ownership and running the business that's always really attracted me. Yeah. You, pulled, you said a couple of things there that I just want to pull out for a second. So one of the things you said that I actually find really, really interesting and extremely intelligent is that you're still running a small group of a team now, right? So that even though you're in this position that you're in, having such a tremendous responsibility for every corporate brand and business for the Flight Center World globally, you have a small team of people, right? And you had that team that you had started with and that just changed. What does that mean for you? Like that team around you or leveraging that group or who they are and what they give to it and to be able to do the work that you do? 
Yeah, well, I don't know how you find this, but in many ways, I don't think my role's really changed. I mean, I, I, I'm a team leader of a small team. I have, you know, weekly business meetings. I have morning meetings. I have one-on-ones with my team. Um, and each of them play a key part in making my team successful. That's exactly as it was 20 years ago when I ran a team. And it's the same as it is now. You know, my job is about picking the right team, making sure I empower them. Um, I set the direction with them you know because I certainly don't have all the answers and I learn I learn I certainly learn as much I'd, I'd probably say more from each of them than they learn from me so it's about picking the right team empowering them um, getting them excited about the journey learning from them and relying on them you know I, I certainly don't see my job is to have all the answers I certainly don't my job is not to tell them what to do um, but it's to work with them on achieving our goals and I think that's always been the case. I really don't see it's any different now um, than it was back then. And I think, you know, responsibility, I think any manager in our company, um, whether they're running a small team of BDMs or account managers or CRMs or whatever, um, or a technology team in their business, they have exactly the same um, situation that I have, which is they are taking responsibility, not just for themselves, which is a huge thing to do. They're saying, actually, I'm going to take responsibility for a, for a team of other people as well. Um, and for their success and for their families and for all the things that are connected to their job. And, and I think it's exactly the same. I think that the, the size of organization doesn't change. I think leadership is something that's a privilege and a responsibility you take on. And hopefully, um, you know, you enjoy it. Um, and I, I really don't think it's changed at all over the years. Yeah, I think that's really good advice because it seems really daunting to people when they're ready to take that next step, you know, go ascend from a TL to an area leader or ascend into senior leadership positions. But essentially what you're saying is if you have that respect and empowerment and phenomenal people on your team that you can trust and um, work together in a cohesive unit, that that management structure your own kind of ascension um, isn't limited because there are so many great philosophies of what we've been you've been doing for 20 years which I agree it's keeping that weekly business meetings having consistency a cadence of information I think there's a lot of our that our people can take from that for sure yeah and having fun you know you you work with these people I'm not sure how you find it but um, you often see more of the people in your team than you do with your friends and even sometimes your family without a doubt um, so you know have fun um, you know make sure that you know, it doesn't get too stressful and that people enjoy what they're doing. Um, but work is a lot more fun with a good team. There is no doubt about that. I'm so glad I work in a company where the value of teams is so appreciated um, because I wouldn't, as an individual, and I'm sure it's the same for all of us, have achieved anywhere near as much without the teams I've worked in. I certainly wouldn't have had as much fun and I wouldn't have learned as much either. Yeah, without a without doubt, we're our own dysfunctional family and have a lot of fun <laughs> together along the ride, right? And another thing you said a few moments ago was just the, you know, the timing of this interview and what's going on in the world around us and our industry, of course, being so affected by the pandemic we're all facing. So just kind of thinking about all of that, right? Being mindful of what we're all going through. How, how do you take it all on? You know, do you have any advice that you could give to our people about how you're not being consumed by the uncertainty that's going on around us? Yeah, um, well, what an excellent question. Well, I thought I'd seen it all in this industry, uh, but clearly I hadn't. Um, look, it is an extraordinarily difficult time, and I, um, I don't have sage advice that can you know, give great wisdom to people, but I can tell you how I'm approaching it, and there may be some use in that. Um, I think one thing you have to accept is the uncertainty, um, because um, these are uncertain times, particularly for our industry, but you know, also for our friends, our family, and for 
different for everyone we know. Um, it's really unusual that it's a truly global event. So it's, it's really, um, you know, and I, I studied history and at university many years ago and we are living through a historical event you know this is the biggest event to affect the movement of people since the second world war it's a really unusual event and i thought what happened in 2008 was huge but this is of a magnitude that's completely different the nice thing is an event that has so dislocated humanity that actually humanity is working together to solve it you know it's not like the second world war there are some positives to be drawn from this the way that we are working together and the way that societies in all over the world have worked together peacefully to try and handle this uncertainty. I think for us as a business, we have to accept our industry has changed. Yeah. Um, it won't come back exactly the same as it was before, but that's okay. We can adapt to that. Um, what, one thing I certainly do is try and balance the focus on the short term. And we do have to make some really tough calls. You know, we as leaders have to make some tough calls around our costs and, making sure that we have a cash position to survive. And I'm really, you know, relieved and delighted that we have resolved a lot of those urgent immediate issues. I know some of our competitors haven't. So we have to balance those short-term tough decisions um, with really maintaining a focus for what the future is going to look like. You know, people will still travel. People will certainly still travel for business. Our customers are going to need us to solve their problems. Some of their problems may have changed during this crisis, but they still need somebody to solve them. Um, the value of our experience, the value of our relationships, both from the customer side, but also the supplier side, mean that we are very well placed to reinvent the industry as it comes out of this crisis. And, and that's what we need to do. So I think having the balance of trying to solve immediate problems with really thinking about what the future is going to hold and what new problems we'll need to solve, I, I think that's the best way to think things through. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. You know, we have to focus on being tactical and doing what we can, but then also being strategic as to what our future is actually going to look like. The other thing I really love that you said is just that uncertainty, that you can't become like crumbling under the weight of the uncertainty because we just don't know with things like this that are changing so often. Um, I find that sometimes people in these moments become very much forward thinking and the most strategic they've ever been. And then others are crumbling around kind of all those other uncertain facets that can be going on. And I think it's really important to focus to the job at hand and not necessarily theorizing things that may or may or not come true. Well, I think we all, I mean, look, we're all human beings. We all have families. We all have rents to pay or mortgages to pay and families to feed. And, you know, we, we, you have to balance both, you know. And, and I think I remember when I became um, one of my first senior roles many years ago was running the um, leisure business in the UK. And I remember um, Screw referencing a book at a conference once. Um, and it was a book called The Road Less Travelled by an uh, author called M. Scott Peck. And there's an opening to the book, uh, I think it made me on the first page, which goes something along the lines of, you know, life is difficult. And it's only by realizing that life is difficult um, and that problems are there to be solved. And that's the purpose of life um, that you overcome the difficulties. Now, that's a really bad <laughs> recollection of what it actually says. But I remember that new role I took on, I actually had a, a very old mobile phone at the time. And um, when the phone turned on in the morning, it came up as a little quote on the phone, life is difficult, which I put in there. <laughs> and actually, you know, it was quite, it was quite an enlightening moment because once you realise the whole purpose of life and certainly leadership is about solving problems, then you don't, you don't worry about the problems. You spend time thinking, okay, well, this is why I'm here. I'm here to solve problems. Um, and it, it, it is quite a liberating thought. 
and certainly I think that's what we all have to do, you know, for our families, our friends and ourselves and our businesses, certainly in a time like this. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You say that one of my favorite quotes um, is life is unpredictable. It changes with the seasons. Even the coldest winter happens for the best of reasons. And though it feels eternal, like all you'll do is freeze. I promise spring is coming and with it brings new leaves. And I always think back to that when you're in it, it's like we appreciate the good times when we go through moments like this. And I know for me, I really fundamentally believe that even though it's hard for our industry right now, that we will reemerge a much stronger, organization and we'll be humble and we'll be appreciative and we'll um, grow through that side of it. So maybe just if you could share, you know, with us a little bit, just your future vision, obviously being at the helm of the corporate side of the business and thinking, you know, what do you see for our future in a, in a post COVID world? Yeah, it's a great question. Obviously it's, it's something that um, we've been spending a lot of time thinking about because obviously we always think about strategy. That's what we do as a senior global team we spend time with customers and we think of and suppliers and we think about strategy what what where is our business going why is it going there how do we make sure we're in a winning position versus our competitors how do we try and predict what's going to happen to customer needs and customer problems so that's what we do anyway but obviously a dislocation such as we're seeing in our industry now really stops you you need to stop and think okay what is going to remain the same and the first thing to remember a lot is going to remain the same yeah so beyond this immediate short-term crisis where people often in most parts of the world can't actually fly can't even leave their houses in some cases that's short term that will end so a lot of problems um and customer needs will remain the same so therefore we don't want to change everything but certain things will change you know i think that disruption of this sort um will lead to innovation um, it will lead to customers reassessing their priorities. And, you know, we talk about hierarchy of needs. What is the most important thing to a customer? Well, what was the most important thing to a customer going into this crisis may not be the most important thing to a customer at the other side of this crisis. So, for example, safety, duty of care, um, somebody can, they can really rely on um, to solve their problems. Um, on the supply side, really being able to reach customers who will generate the revenue that suppliers need these things become even more important than say um, an easy to use booking solution Um, however what we've got to make sure we do is really come out winning on all fronts and one thing i was very keen to do as ceo throughout the crisis is to make sure we keep investing in the things that we believe um, will enable us to win the other side so it's about keeping our great talent on board but it's also about investing in our product it's about making sure that we can ship new product throughout the crisis and post-crisis. Some of the projects that we've been working on about making sure we have the best data in the industry, that's gonna be so important to our customers. Making sure we can still implement customers because we want to um, you know, ensure that customers know we're still open for business. We know some of our competitors aren't. So the world will change and we've just gotta make sure we're investing in the right areas. And, and one thing I certainly learned over time, and I know you have as well, is that we don't know everything. The more we can engage with our customers and understand what their needs are and what their problems are, um, and then use a consultative approach to fix those problems, um, that that's really where where we'll win. So I look. I do, in summary, I'm very optimistic about the future. I think we're going to go through a very difficult period, um, which we've done before as a company. Um, but I think you know there will be real winners coming out the other side, and I'm absolutely certain that Flightsmith will be one of them. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I can speak on behalf of myself and I'm sure a lot of the other leaders in our business, we're really trusting in that vision that you have and how we're going to get through that. But in the way that you approach leadership, you're so available. You're available regularly, you know, calls weekly with the respective nation leaders of the brands and, you know, personal time and one-on-ones. And you always have a way of making people feel valued and appreciated and their points are respected and they're comfortable to articulate them. Can you talk a little bit about how you've come to that sense of leadership or if that's always been part of it? Um, I know it's something that all of us really enjoy most about working for or with you. So just wanted you to talk a little bit about that. Well, do you know what? I, I try and look at leaders I admire, um, you know, both within Flight Centre and outside, and try and learn things from them. I think we all do that, don't we? We, we look at people who we think do a good job of something and we try and take lessons. And I, I think everyone has their own style. I don't think there is a right or a wrong style to managing a small team or a business. I, I really think people find their own way. And different styles work for different people. So it's really figuring out what works for you and sticking to it rather than trying to copy somebody else. I, look, I, I personally like talking to people. So um, I find talking to people um, is better than emailing. Um, and the, the reason I feel that is you get to ask questions, you get to, um, you get to learn and to listen. And, um, you know, in my role, I'm based in London, obviously, which means I'm talking to people in Australia early in the morning when I wake up. And then I'm talking to people in Asia as the morning progresses. And then I get to lunchtime and, you know, East Coast USA wakes up and then I talk to them and then West Coast USA. So, you know, the, the nature of our business means that I'm talking to people around the world throughout the day. And one thing I learned from my boss, Screw, who I know all of you know, um, he has a very famous opening line to a conversation. So, it's, yeah, so what's going on? He sometimes puts an expletive in there, which I won't do on your podcast. <laughs> so what's going on? And it's a really clever open-ended question because, um, ask, you know, it really gets people to, you know, say to him what's on top of their mind. You know, so he really finds out what the current thinking is. And if you speak to a broad enough cross-section of people and ask them what's going on, you know, what's happening, um, it's amazing how much you learn. Um, and I think, you know, people at Flight Centre are generally quite interested in other people. We're a people company. So, yeah, we like to know what's going on. We like to understand what people are thinking. And um, so, yeah, so, I, so I, I make myself available generally because I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy talking to and understanding what's happening. Um, and really trying to triangulate all those different bits of information you get is really how you form an opinion. For sure. I think that... Um the way you just said that is so beautiful and so true and speaks to that irreverence in our culture and that egalitarian culture where, you know, the founder of the business is just like, hey, what's going on? How are you? And then all of a sudden your natural instinct just overcomes what you would have even thought was your professional way that you would have had that. And just there you go. I'll, I'll give it to you. What's going on? So um, I think that's really fantastic and always appreciate how involved you are in those, those conversations. I was going to quickly just like switch gears there for a second though, because I think we probably both know that I was likely dropped on my head as the child and confidence is there and there's no fear in me approaching senior leaders or expressing my opinion, extremely, extremely extroverted. But some of our people listening would maybe just have a bit of that intimidation, right? To approach you at a conference, you know, we're in a post-COVID world, say, and it's global, or you're in a room with 50 people that they're in as well. What is something, if someone's intimidated to approach you, or just they want to pique your engagement, how would you recommend doing that? 
Yeah, well, I used to when I used to run the UK years and years ago. I used to talk at our annual. We used to have obviously a conference during the day and our, and our awards night in the in the evening, which is a fantastic event. And one thing I found over time was people. I don't know whether it was they're intimidated or not, but they they seem to always want to come and um, talk to me at about eleven p.m. or midnight when <laughs> they'd had quite a few drinks. Yeah, once the so, booze is in, then yeah. all of a sudden the intimidation so, comes down. Yeah. So I actually used to end the day session when I used to sort of give a closing speech. I'd say, "Do you know what? I'm actually genuinely interested in what anyone's got to say. Please come and talk to me, but please do it before." you've had five drinks because that's when we we'll have the most interesting conversation. So, you know, I do say to people, you know, come up, you know, find me out, send me a text, drop me an email, phone me, come up to me at a conference. I'm really happy to talk, but please do it when you're sober. Don't do it at the toga party at global. It's not the best time. But um, <laughs> Screaming no, was, over the DJ. I yeah, have an idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I know how to save the company. Um, but no, look, I, I love it. I, and I, I genuinely, and I know you do too. I learn as much from the newest member of staff we have in the company as I do from somebody who sits on the board of directors. You know, people really all have great insights into life and into our business. And, I, and I'm, you know, I think as all good leaders, we're, we're keen to hear them. Yeah, without a doubt. So thinking about, I feel like very fortunate because I've got to spend quite a bit of time working closely with you over the last few years, especially since I transitioned. But I think I could probably say that when you're in a boardroom with you or a meeting with you, or one of the things that typically you could feel like is you almost feel like a duck like you're above the surface, you're calm and cool, but underneath your feet are just pedaling a million miles an hour trying to keep up with your mind. You're brilliant. You're very strategic as an individual. And I wonder, is that kind of conceptual, bigger picture thought process, like future 10 steps ahead of the room? Is that something people can work on or is that just innately you? Is it 23 years experience? You know, What tips can you give us that we can work on to be more strategic? Well, firstly, man, I can see why you're such an amazing salesperson. So I, whatever you're selling, I'm buying now. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got you. I'll be asking yeah. you for something probably next week. So <laughs> I, I think I, you know, I feel when I spend time with flight center people, I think people in flight center are strategic. And, and, I, and I have thought about this before that um, is it something to, and I don't know the answer, but is it something to do that we're a company of travelers, you know, that people travel the world often before they join flight center or at least they're passionate about travel it's one of the things that attracts people and if you think about strategy strategy is really about going on the journey it's about starting at a position and then saying you know what i need to get somewhere else and it's it's not obvious how i get there because i don't know the way but i'm going to try and plot a route um, i'm going to try and think about um, all the things that could happen on this journey in advance and um, I'm going to therefore try and figure out what resources I need to go on this journey, how I'm going to get there, who I need to persuade to come with me, and what all the pitfalls are that, that could befall me on that journey. And guess what? I don't really know all the answers, so I've got to be able to pivot if I need to. So coming up with strategy is really about trying to understand problems and trying to figure out the best way to solve them. And I think flights are very good at it. You know, maybe it goes back to our backpacker heritage of how do I raise some money so I can travel around the world and you know, I don't even know where I'm going, but how do I figure it out? What are the problems? So I find the same as you do. When I, when I get into a room with flights and people, I think, wow, these guys have got some really great ideas. They've really thought through the problems. They've really got, you know, different ways of approaching it. And, and so, yeah, I, I have the same observation of people in our company as you do. 
I love that analogy so much. I've never thought of that. Like the people in our business are naturally inclined to find the solution because many of us are travelers or associate to, to traveling and that's part of who we've always been. That's, that's a really cool analogy. I guess I, I'd never really thought of that. So thinking about your career overall, right? So, so many things that you've accomplished in this 23 years that you've been with Flight Center. What moments could you share with us that you just look back and really make you proud? You know, those moments that you're like, wow, I'm so happy I was part of that. Oh gosh, that's a good question. Look, I, I don't know really. I, I don't think there are necessary individual moments. I think what I'm proud of um, and what's given me the most joy is also the greatest privilege is working with lots of good teams. You know, I think like many of us, we have multiple teams. You know, I have a team um, at different levels. So the task force team I work on now, um, you know, working with the corporate executive team, working with the uh, corporate Travis Supergroup. There's lots of different teams I work on now and have worked on in the past and some great individuals I've met. And, you know, when you, when you set a vision or a goal for that team, particularly if it's one over a few years, you know, if you, if you really think, you know what, it's going to take a few years to achieve this, and you work with that team and you, 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 know, you bring new people in and you, you play a small part in their development. Um, I think that's what I really enjoy. I enjoy building things. You know, it's something I'm passionate about. I like building things. And, and certainly over the years, I've been privileged enough to work with some great teams that we've built some great things. We've built a great business. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing that, you know, um, I'm, certainly inspires me every day is, is I, I think our journey's just begun. You know, I, I really do believe that, you know, Flight Center has been going, well, since the early 70s, if you take Top Deck in London, but really since the early 80s in, in Australia. Um, and, but I think our journey's just begun. I think, you know, for those of us who are in leadership positions now, our job is to, you know, hand over the company to the next generation. And I think there's a, certainly a long way for the company to go. And, and that, yeah, that makes me proud as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, on a smaller scale, but relating to that, just in even like being in the US since corporate was just a thought, like, let's give it a shot. Um, 13, 14 years ago to now the corporate businesses being like multi-billion dollar businesses and just watching that, I agree. We're so, and we have near, like, you know, next to no market share. Like what can this be is certainly something that we should all be excited about in our careers and what we can do into our future. I'm um, mm. thinking about, you know, a great business. One of the things you touched on a little, but is one of the best lessons I think you've ever taught me. So I do just want to share it for the listeners is knowing who you are and knowing who you aren't right? So as a brand, so like the concepts of straddling, um, the concepts of, of not knowing your brand identity. And I think about this a lot, uh, probably because I'm in the US market, there's a lot of new entrants in our market that are trying to do it all, right? You know, are you focused on startup? Are you focused on enterprise? Are you expense? Are you travel? Are you, you know, it's, it's everything. Uh, and I really think have learned from you that knowing who you are and knowing who you are not. Could you talk a little bit about that for the audience? Yeah, look, I think it's all about discipline, really. It's um, because discipline in any walk of life, whether it's your own personal discipline, your health discipline, your, you know, your discipline with your family, or your discipline with business is all about knowing what you want to achieve, prioritizing it. And very few people in any endeavor can be brilliant at everything. You know, if you're an athlete, you tend to specialize in a discipline, you know, you you run the 100 meters or you're a distance runner. You can't do both. It's not possible Um, because in world class competition, if you don't specialize in something, you will be outcompeted by somebody who does. Yeah. 
And athletes get that, you know, athletes get that. Even in a football team, people have a position they become the best in the world at. They don't try and play every position. In business, there is a risk that you, you try and fill every vacuum, every opportunity, take on every challenge that exists in the marketplace. And that's where straddling appears, is that you try and you start off being really good at something and you think, do you know what? If I'm good at this, I can be good at the next thing too. And the thing beyond that, and the thing beyond that, because, you know, what, makes me good is me well well i think that's a bit naive i think you can't be good at everything i think your brand needs to understand what it stands for who its customers are what is your customer value proposition and then how do you deliver upon that and the more narrow the more focused you can be the more likely you are to succeed and and there are exceptions you know there are some businesses that manage to you know excel in many different parts of the economy and many different business models but they're rare and companies that do do it tend to do it with different brands. They yeah. tend to have a different brand focused on a specific need. Um, again, there are some exceptions and there have been throughout history, but they, but they are unusual. So I think having the discipline to know what not to do in business is as important as having the strategy and the insight into what to do. Uh, and and I, th- I think so, that's certainly something I've learned over the years. For sure. And I can, I can relate to that in moments where we just kind of pivoted from who we know we are, maybe the wrong client size, maybe doing something that just didn't make sense or um, broke down our normalcy that, that could have hurt us. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, thinking about just, you know, over your career advice, like maybe something you wish you did differently. If you could have given yourself advice when you were 12 and starting out and just trying to figure out what your future and your career path is going to look like anything that you would want to share um around those lessons oh gosh um yeah i I mean look there's so many things i would do differently but i'm sure that's true of all of us um but you know partly it's making mistakes and doing things incorrectly and falling flat on our face and having regrets about things that's how we learn you know And, and i think if you're not willing to make mistakes and take some risks um, you're probably not really challenging yourself. So I don't, I don't mind having lots of failures and I certainly have them. I'm a flight centre and I think all the successful people I admire within the group also have. Um, look, I think that, you know, advice is really probably about how you treat people. I think that, um, you know, you, you, you will be in a position in your career where, um, particularly in an industry like travel, your paths will cross people many times <laughs> and they yeah. could one. They could one day be your colleague, they could one day be your supplier, they could one day be your customer, who knows. So I think treating people, being kind to people, um, respecting them, these are the things that are really important. They're much more important than winning in the short term or you know, making more money or all those things. Your approach to people, I think, is, is the most important thing, and that's your personal brand. Um, and you know, I think being tolerant as well. You know, sometimes when you're really competing to win something, um you know you can be a bit intolerant of um um you know people who are in your way or who who are not delivering quite what you need but sometimes taking the time to understand them and what they're up to and what their motivations are are really critical too so i think it's the personal approach to things i think you can really learn Um, because every situation you deal with is different but if, if you if you have an approach to how you deal with people particularly um that's kind that's thoughtful that's considerate um, and look, I can assure you, I, I don't always get it right. I'm, I'm sure none of us do. But, uh, but, but that's certainly what I aspire to. Yeah, for sure. And that's where the type of leader that people are going to want to, you know, listen to and express their opinions and learn from um, and everything else, really. So switching gears for a moment here. So just thinking about 
travel in general, right? So many of us are holding on to these travel fantasies because we need it to get through. I actually was meant to go on vacation tomorrow uh, for the first vacation I would have been on in five and a half months. So I'm, I'm feeling the sting. So I was thinking of um, the fantasy of it for a minute here. So if you could fly with anyone, alive or dead, where are you going and who are you going with? Oh my God. Actually, do you know, I know the exact answer to this um, because I will tell a very short story. I'll be brief, but somebody I, who used to work with this many years ago, um, she, her father lived down in South Africa and she was based in London and she used to regularly um, travel down. Um, I can't remember if it was Joburg or Cape Town, but she used to regularly fly direct down from London. And uh, one day she had the, huge fortune to be upgraded to first class on South African Airways, which was a you know obviously a huge privilege and very exciting and oh yeah we know she yeah. didn't book it within travel policy. So. <laughs> no, every now and then well she was a travel agent every now and then it happens, you know, you get lucky. Um so she sat down on her seat um in first class African Airways um you know and was flicking through the magazine and whatever else. And then just before the plane was ready to take off, along the aisle walked Nelson Mandela. Wow. who sat next to her and um, was very polite. But then for the 12-hour flight, continued to engage with her for most of the flight and was really interested in what she was doing. And I thought, that's it. If this could ever, you know, I know some of this has happened to. I don't that need to is make up. incredible. I, I do not need to make up a fantasy here. That is what would happen to me. And he's somebody who um, I think certainly my, is the most remarkable individual to have lived throughout my lifetime. I, I think what he did, his grace, his, um, his struggle, his compassion, um, his intellect, his pragmatism, everything, the most remarkable man of, of my lifetime. So yes, I would like to sit on a plane with him for 12 hours. Yes, that would be absolutely incredible. I can't believe that one of our people had that good fortune of that happening. Like imagine that moment of just like, oh, this is, this is really happening. What a pinch yourself moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't know what direction you were going to take that. If you would take um, an incredible, you know, leader and advocate and activist like Nelson Mandela, if you'd just go with like a celebrity, like I would have, would have just probably been like Brad Pitt or something just really basic. No, as much as I think Brad Pitt's a fine actor, give me Nelson Mandela. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't think he'd be yours. You know, speaking quickly of celebrities, though, too, this is on a much, much lighter note. But do you remember, I gave Tom a bunch of bull for the fact that he didn't think of me when my, could have been my next husband, Mark Wahlberg, was there. He didn't think to tell me. And then do you remember telling me that the DJ in Vegas was a random Turkish DJ when I asked you? And I actually believed that. So I didn't even, like, run to go see Calvin Harris. Um, I don't recall that moment. I, I think I might deny, but you know, it happens to me quite a lot that people come up to me for that whole week of global saying, who's the main act, who's the main act. So um, unfortunately, I, I often know. So after I've been out asked for about the hundredth time, I never give it away. So this is good that we've got this on a recording. If you ask me that question, I'm afraid you're going to get a stupid answer. Well, I thought like, I, I don't know, maybe I thought I was in. It was me, you and Tom. Me, I think Tom was at our table too. So he must've been in on the live, but I'm like a Turkish DJ in Vegas. How random. Like I just remember totally buying it. And yep, I, bl I blame you for that. So I think that my concession is going to be maybe um, blanket rights to backstage meeting celebrities in the future. So we'll- Absolutely. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I, All right, I think signed that, off. I think that's only Okay. Another quick one that's uh, on another lighter note, but I do think is important. I think our listeners would want to hear. So prior 
to Tom joining the CT management um, global group uh, prior to his appointment into his role now, the group would sometimes make fun of me and call me the favorite. I don't know if you know this or not, but they'd be like, oh, you're the favorite, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, now Tom's on the team. And this has, you know, caused a real wrench for me because you guys have been friends for a long time. You worked together in the UK for a long time. So I asked Charlene if she had a lifeboat scenario and only could save Joe Morai, who would she pick? I'm wondering the same for you, but between Tom and I. Oh, good heavens. I mean, how do you pick between two vintage champagnes like you, yourself <laughs> and Tom Wally? I think if there's three of us on the lifeboat and, um, and um, I could only pick one, I'd either jump in myself and leave you two, or um, no, I, I couldn't. I couldn't pick. You, you, you're two, two of my favourite people in the company. I couldn't possibly choose. Okay, I'll accept it. See, guys, this, there's a lesson in this here. Charlene and Chris both aren't going to choose that. <laughs> this is how you ascend into task force. You, you can't be picking those things. Well, Charlene actually kind of skirted it. I felt like she kind of went with Jomo in the end, but I appreciate your answer. Um, alrighty, so just getting into the last couple questions here then, and then I will let you get back to what I know is an extremely busy day. So what haven't I asked? Is there anything that I didn't ask you about, something that might surprise our listeners? Um, something you want to share before we go? Oh, gosh, that's a good one. Look, look I, I don't know. I think it was a great interview. You asked lots of really good questions. I, I think, I suppose I, I want to, um, you know, maybe, you know, mention a point I've already mentioned that this is a really tough time for our business. It really is. And I think that, um, you know, one thing I do want to give people is a certainty that we, as a senior executive team, are 100% confident that not only will we get through this, because I think, people accept that but that we will come out the other side as a winning business particularly in corporate i'm really excited about what we're doing however i do not underestimate the tough decisions that everyone's having to make the personal sacrifices that our people are having to make over this time and it's really humbling to hear um, and to see the messages of support and and i have a particular message to our leaders in the company all levels throughout the company i think that you know Leadership is a privilege, um, you know, being responsible for, um, you know, somebody else's life and their, and their career and, and, and all the consequences that has is an important privilege and responsibility at any time. But in times like this, it really is tough. And I, and I think that it's a huge thank you for me, really, to our leaders to say that, you know, I know you're having to make awfully difficult decisions um, around prioritisation of resources around trying to look after our people in deeply uncertain times, about handling customer situations, government situations, industry situations, which you never thought you'd have to deal with. And you're dealing with them all in one day. So I, I want to thank them. But I do want to say that I can't tell you exactly when we're going to come out of this. I can't tell you exactly how things, how we're going to get out of it, how things are going to look in our industry. But I can tell you with 100% conviction that get out of it, we will. And we will be one of the winning businesses on the other side. I think that's so well said. You know, and our people need to hear it and they need to hear it from you that we're going to get through this, but it's not lost on you or anyone else how tough it's been and what they're going through. Um, and that, of course, no one thought would be here. So uh, working towards that strategy to get through it, but certainly your support while we're in it, I know means a lot to our people. Um, just kind of my last question then here. So this has been phenomenal. I appreciate so very much that you would take the time to do this. I know how crazy your schedule is 24 hours a day. So you, you doing this and thanking our people and also giving some great lessons is very much appreciated. And I know it'll be extremely well received. 
Um, I'm honored to work for a business that would have their CEO do that. I think that really demonstrates your character. The last question, and it is a positive and a lighter note, I suppose, but just thinking about what you want to leave everyone with, like that best lesson that you've ever had it from someone else and how you've treated your career or that you've learned through your career, what's that lesson you want to leave with with everybody today? Um, look, I, th- uh, I think, again, I've learned it from, uh, you know, uh, people who I've admired and worked with is, I think, a sense of fun. I, and I really think it's more important now than ever. Um, and I think it comes from the early top deck days of Flight Center and from Screw and from the founders and from the guys I've worked with that, you know what, no matter how tough things get, um, we, we are here because um, we need to be. We're here because we need to earn money to look after our families and build our dreams and whatever else. But, um, you know, I think now is when we got to have fun. And I think Flightson is very good at it. You know, whether you're talking about Charlene or Tom or any of the other guys you've interviewed. Um, when I think of the people I work with, it brings a smile to my face. They're people who I would choose to spend time with um, outside of work over a nice bottle of wine, having fun. And I think in times like this, when they are tough, let's remember that sense of fun, because I think it's one of the things that defines us as an organization and makes us special. So, you know, somehow we will get through it. And along the way, let's make sure we have some fun. For sure. We will celebrate again and keep the fun alive. Okay. I will let you get back to it then. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Amanda. It's been an absolute pleasure.